called? I'm called the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. So, again, I'm going to give you the countdown. From three to two to one, I'm going to say go, and then a five count. Make sure we're lined up. Subtitle sound, I leave it up to you. Again, Expanse, season one, episode four, CQB. See if we can figure out what that means together. And here comes the countdown. Three, two, one, and go. One, two, three, four, five. And they don't know each other well. But fucking Miller is not happy about this. He can look at that. His hand is shaking. Look at the twitching on his face. This guy's so good. He really thinks that this, that kid, that punk. Oh. Wait, I'm confused. Does he not know that his partner's dead yet? He's wondering why all these Belger kids are dying. I guess. Here's the uh, coroner or whatever. Life expectancy. 123 years, better on Mars. 68 on Ceres. Wow, that's pre-modern. What? No, isn't the creepy corner. I'm sure you're younger than you look. So this informs actually why Miller might think he's old, even though he looks still pretty sprite to us. Spry. Yep, they're so cycled. That's what they got to do. They need the fertilizer. Not yet. He's got something on this kid. And they do, the, again, the Tony Stark thing where you sort of wave your little uh, hand terminal at the thing and get the information. All right, so here's the Martian ship. Here's all the distrust. I just got to get used to this. This is just a totally different telling of it, where it takes a lot longer for these guys to come together. They, they don't trust Holden. They think he's giving stuff away. Now, he has been brutally honest so far, so maybe they think he's being brutally honest with them. And they they, they really think this is about Naomi. Um, I'm curious, having not seen this in a while, whether this is a misdirect both for the characters and for us, one or the other, or both. Hmm... Yeah, she's not a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Right. They really make that uh, uh, sort of Slavic-looking uh, Martian lieutenant look menacing. Right, I mean, they're right to be mad because they don't know what's going on with the sort of deep state with Mars. And now, uh, you know... It, it, <laughs> Holden is blamed throughout the series from the beginning and throughout when people are accusing him of stuff, of starting a war. Right. But he's just telling the truth, and it's, you know, it's... This cold war between Earth and Mars is really a very, very warm war that's always threatening to go hot. Mm-hmm. Oh, here it comes. Whoa! Uh-oh. That was loud and screechy. That was sort of the point. Oh, here's the stealth ship. You can't see it. Look at that. It's like a cloaking device. It's fucking awesome. I got a Mexican Coke, guys. I'm very happy. Six bandits. Yep, sort of lasery missiles, which is, you know, a little different than the 
pure physical ammunition of uh, a Battlestar, although those might just be the engines on the, the, the rockets on the missiles. Kamal knows what's happening. He's 20 years. All right, he can tell it's the torpedoes. A lot of torpedoes. Yep, he knows what's going on. Yep. The first aid guy <laughs> says the obvious, get the fuck strapped in. They're gonna burn. I'm gonna burn, burn, burn. So, you know, there's guided missiles, there's unguided torpedoes, there's P- PDCs, which is like those, you know, the cannon f- fire uh, firework shows you get from the Battlestar and Battlestar Galactica. I think these are the... Yeah, they're still confident. They started this fight, we're gonna finish it. Holden's not so sure. There's the great music. The intro, very short. I guess I like the choice to keep a short intro. I wonder if they do a long one for the last. Earth and Luna, great font work, by the way. I wonder how they came up with that. Ladar and Radar, right. Right, here's the here's uh, Souther, who, who sh- the one that she can trust, who's high in the military. It'll all be over by then. Yep. So someone start trying to start a war. It's not really clear who these stealth ships are, even though they were showing Martian, um, uh, you know, uh, ID or or whatever his friend, uh, IFF signals. I, you know, in the first episode, here it goes. Get some space action, looking great. They let Holden up in the station here. I guess they figured he's come this far. You look nervous. She should be. I get that way when missiles are flying at me. Yep. Yep. Again, the the cockiness of the Martian military is more than hinted um, in the series. Uh, and this is why they don't see coming that a third of their fleet is going to disappear, betray them, and go to another system and start a new empire because of their cockiness. And, you know, it seems like they have, you know, airtight discipline and, you know, hierarchy in organization. That's not the case. We don't see it sold that much through, you know, like hard ass characters like this necessarily. They're Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, of course, are the ones who make up Corey, James Corey. Um, uh, and well, I think there's a little too much coming up, I think. Of like, Earthers are this, Martians are this. Um, you know, again, none of the three sides, Belters, Earthers, uh, and Martians, you know, trust or like each other, and they all have misconceptions. And Holden is actually the one, you know, again, being the... the, the it, it's one thing to be a truth teller, but the, you have to have the other side of it. This is beautiful. They're watching the stars, the shooting stars. You know, the other side of it is you have to see the world or the galaxy clearly. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is going to sound weird, but, you know, Barack Obama, um, who by all standards, especially considering now, did a pretty good job of this presidency. His biggest problem was that he saw the world more optimistically and he saw people more optimistically than is really the case. And that's 
something Holden has to get over. And that's part of why any information he gets, he immediately broadcasts to the galaxy. And he has to learn how to be a little bit more political or just sort of smart about when and how and to who to release the information. He wants everyone to know the important stuff eventually. But after he starts like two and a half wars or whatever it is, here's the, you know, this is the first one. He has to sort of reevaluate that he might not be seeing the world uh, as clearly as he thinks and the results of sharing that with the galaxy uh might not have the results that he expects wants or you know hopes for endless blue skies right here's the martians uh resentment you know they're stuck in these domes terraforming living on the edge and, you know, they see the Earthers as living in this utopia where they don't have to do anything. And they're, you know, and it's true. I mean, you don't have to work. <laughs> when you graduate from school on Earth, you can go on basic. You, you don't have a lot of money. You're not able to buy lots of fancy clothes or cars. In order to do that, you have to work. Martians don't really understand that. But you are at least provided for at this point um, with food and shelter. In Mars, they can't possibly imagine that. They need all hands on deck for terraforming and military, or they think military. Definitely the terraforming. We're nothing like you. Right, here's the thing. Yep. Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was already criticizing this sort of conversation ahead of time, but it does serve the world building. Um, but this also begins having side characters like this guy, who there's... He's acting. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not cheesy. It's not caricature-ish. He's just slightly over... Um, delivering it's the direction he's slightly over delivering the martians being rough with them they're gonna belt them in you can't trust that they you know these these ice hauling punks know what they're doing Oh, that was a nice touch. The guy who's been an asshole to him had to hit the last button to make sure he was strapped in because the Martians obviously have different stuff. Here's the PDCs. Right, those are like the rapid-fire cannons. Oh, man, it's awesome. All this stuff is in, like, if you play big sci-fi games like Stellaris and so forth, these different types of weapons are kind of standard. I like that they didn't overthink it, the writers, and they're like torpedoes, missiles, PDCs, you know, basic, you know... Uh, but gets the job done. It's like, f f you know, phasers and photon torpedoes. And, oh, Star Trek, this looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Here's the, uh, everybody shake yourself around while we shake the cameras. Rail guns are the most powerful. They're very expensive and they're big and they suck a lot of power. But, th whoa, they disappeared. Oh, no, we went. Um, I haven't, you know, again, playing lots of, like, sort of big grand strategy uh, space computer games, um, you know, coil guns and rail guns, all of that's part of the... Uh uh, the arsenal that you have, but rail guns are, have a special part. Oh, Holden's already Jesus. That's hilarious. The cult of, of Holden. And, and, and that's critical, because Miller has to know who Holden is, even though they don't know who he is when they meet up on Eros mid-season. Um, but, uh, you know, let's just put it this way. Uh, rail guns on ships is expensive and rare. Uh, Martians are pretty much the only ones that are able to pull that off. 
But railgun, the big railguns are so powerful, they can defend entire space stations and indeed entire groups of space stations. And there's entire major plot points, especially in books five through eight, where you really get to the high level space opera, giant space battle stuff, where railguns become like a central part um, for both the good guys and the bad guys winning particular battles. All right, what do we got going on here? What are they watching? Yeah, I mean, you know, reality TV in the future would would be watching this insane space stuff. Uh, Oh, they're probably watching one of their own just try and do some harebrained, you know, drag racing type stuff. It's only three million. What is this guy trying to do? Yep, yeah, they're trying to they're trying to beat certain records. This happens a few times in the series, where you have these hot shots who want to you know fly into Atmo faster and more direct than anyone else before, and it's understandable. I mean, you know, there's always people who strive for greatness, but then there's ones who strive for glory. Sometimes it's a mix of both. There's Julie; she was a pilot, right? She had the penis. The Razorback, which, uh, again, you know, you think it's just this thing of, oh, she's rich and she has her own racing penis, a Razorback, but the Razorback ends up playing huge plot uh, points, uh, saving the good guys down the road. He ain't dead yet. That busy Batico. Is this the guy he was researching? What does he see? Was he on the dating service for Julie? Is he going to look at his thing and find them? Yep, there he is. That's the guy he was looking for. Oh, is he is he on the Razorback? Is he on Julie's ship? Oh, maybe he was he benefit he's benefiting from Julie. He's a dead man. Here he goes. Look at his eyes. Goner. They're laughing. This is this is like the worst reality TV. This is uh, what do they call this? You know, when, uh, watching uh, snuff, right? Like watching movies where people are actually getting killed and enjoying them as movies. I believe that's called snuff. No, there's the Nevu. Oh, here's Cuddy. Here's Cuddy. Fred Johnson. Yes. Fred Johnson, one of the, uh, e- even more than Anderson Dawes. So important. Such a complicated character. And he, I know it's Cuddy, but he he really steps up his game. And, you know, he starts as an earther who, who comes out to the belt, murders a bunch of people, decides he becomes pro-belter, you know, is loved by a bunch of the belters for defending them and bringing them to a new level of self-defense and respectability, but other belters resent the fact that there's an Earther in charge. He's in charge of Tycho, just like Anderson Dawes is in charge of, uh, essentially in charge of Ceres, will be in charge of Ceres. But, um, Cuddy here as, uh, what's his real name? Chad Coleman, of course. Chad Coleman uh, as Lucius Johnson, Fred Johnson. I mean, he's, I said, you know, 95% of the characters in my mind's eye as I read. I, I see him and his voice in every single line and every scene that he's in. Yep, he is a philosopher, you know, and a study and, and a student of political history and, and social history. 
Here comes the politicking. You're going to need me for the belters. Here's an Earther who wants to come in. That's the thing. The Earthers think they can manipulate Fred Johnson, but he's he's shamed because he was a colonel and now he's seen as a traitor, even though he was retired. Oh, charging malfunctions. He's threatening sabotage to these corporations, which is exactly why the majority of Belters respect him, because he has the knowledge and the authority and the experience of being an Earther to know all these scummy, powerful, manipulative, ambitious corporate and government types from Earth and knows how to deal with them when the oppression and... Um, of the Belters could be way worse without someone like Fred Johnson, which is why ultimately down the road when he's, you know, left with the good side of the OPA, when a lot of the OPA goes full terrorist, it's, it's a brutal uh, personal journey for him. Um, but also an amazing, uh, individual personal, um, evolution. He's still... Yeah, because Cuddy's, you know, Cuddy in the wire is always a little uh, insecure, you know? He gets out of jail, he starts his boxing gym, he thinks he's helping all these kids, but then he starts sleeping with their moms, and then he realizes, like, and all the characters in the wire, he just can't help those kids, a lot of them. Get all the Mormons off the ship. Yeah, so, I don't know exactly when this happens, but in the early books, they, he, he completely, oh, man... Is he helping the Doniger? Yeah, he, he he um. What's the word I'm looking for? He co-ops the the, the Neville and, and turns it into a ship for uh for the Belters, and there's nothing the Mormons can do about it. Diverting powers to the railguns, right there it is. CQB, right? Close quarter battle. There you go. Right, that's what's so scary. Like no one should be able to take on this battleship. Nothing matching their profile. The screens look great. This is very reminiscent of, like, Wing Commander aesthetic, which I love. More high-tech than Firefly, less high-tech than Star Trek. I've seen this ship before. That's the stealth ship. Oh, man, look at those guns. Right. So, you know, you lay down covering fire with the, um... Uh, with the PDCs, the point defense cannons, you know, just like the Battlestar. The first thing it does before Battlestar starts launching nukes and so forth, now they're on the float, zero-G. You know, the first thing Battlestar does uh, to defend the fleet in itself is just, you know, launch thousands of rounds of close to uh, mid-range, you know, rounds, you know, giant bullets, basically. Alex is losing it. Look what I got. Some drugs. And these two are the two. This is an interesting relationship that, you know, they're able, they explore this way more than the book. Whoop. Uh, this is where he gets murdered. Yeah. 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 And the book, that's it. Yeah, it comes through. Comes straight through the hole in just blows his head off oh man so this is when you're watching the series for the first time and you're like okay these guys 
I don't know if this is going to be as good as Battlestar, but they are not fucking around. The blood is going out the hole. So it went through his head and then out the hole the other side, and his blood and guts are getting sucked out. They're going to run out of oxygen. Now they're fully on the float. Naomi's the perfect person for this because, you know, being a belter, she grew up. Um, They do have the magnetic boots, but, you know, she can maneuver herself, you know, 360 degrees. Uh, Amos, of course, is the one to, you know, not be... uh, I mean, he's even affected. Look at him. Amos is even affected. I think it's more just he can't... He doesn't have a handle on the situation. He's seen death and blood and gruesomeness, but how sudden it was and how uncertain the situation is. Oh, yeah. I was wrong. The Doniger stuff happens so much faster. So he's putting the little sealing sealant gel, and he's the body is still there with no head. Naomi's floating. They know how to work together. He throws her the gun, and she's going to hopefully seal the other side. Oh, man. Great teamwork. He calls her boss. He follows her lead. He ends up following Holden because of her. And the Clinton Porter soundtrack just kick it into the high burn. I, I l- honestly listen to this stuff all day, just straight through. It's the music's so inspiring, great. Look at that, the body's still there, not moving because it's zero G. Now, if now now the G's are gonna kick in and the body's gonna go down. Boom. Yep. And there goes the blood. So I wonder if they were able to show all that on Sci-Fi. Alex. So, you know, it's an interesting thing. Alex was a pilot for 20 years with the Martians, but they never had anything like this happen until now. And so he's not seen all this blood and guts and scariness and stealth ships. And uh, Holden's going for the gun. Oh, no, he's trying to help the guy. Now they have to work together. Yeah, the one that blew up the can't. Uh, is this where they're like, Okay, we were wrong. We need to get you guys out of here. You guys are actually really important. Oh, man. This is so cool. They're showing you just enough. It's not like brightly lit ships like in Star Trek. This is how it would look in space, especially with a stealth ship. It's the can. He has to tell them over and over again. They're not listening. Right, they're trying to frame Mars. He gets it, and now they're going to start trusting him because he's putting it together and helping them put it together. Yep. Yes, yes, the captain understands. Yes, they need Holden. They realize his brains and his experience. He's, he has to testify. This is great. I got shells. This is where... The yeah, in the book, they, they immediately send the shipmates, too, so he's going to have to fight for the shipmates. But that feeling of these Martians who seem to be make just making them prisoners, realizing that Holden and company are the ones that have to get off and not them in order to report this. And they, and look, they're so scared. They know they're going down. A Martian battleship, no one thought, except for the entire Earth fleet, could take down this ship. Okay, I was wrong. I said this is where the ep- the season slowed down. This is where the season picks up, people. Sometimes you gotta ignore the bizzle for about 20 minutes. Oh, there it is, 20 minutes of air. Right, enough to ignore the bizzle and, and me to admit my wrongdoing. Mm, Naomi's thinking if we can slow down one of our breathing. A little extra time. 
Uh, yeah, Alex is, you know, the, the doubting Thomas, cowardly one, which fits with his early character. He's in Arthur, uses the most air, he should do it. Yeah, they gotta put out Alex, though, because he's the weakest of them, and they need Naomi and Amos uh, awake, and he, the admission of it is now making him admit that he's he, he's the least useful right now. I want to wake up. Oh, man, Cass Anvar just killing it as Kamal. This is cool, though, because, you know, again, even though in the book there's no, like, Holden having to fight to get his crew to come with him off the ship, they just care about Holden, this sets up this really awesome sort of sub-scene or set of scenes here. Uh, um, of survive, surviving together, and they're still looking at the headless body. Oh man! Because, like I said, you know, it's in the early parts of the book. It does match the the, the series of you know dealing with insurmountable odds that brings them together. These two, of course, Amos and Naomi, bonded for life. Even though he's an Earther and she's a Belter, but they both grew up with trauma. What's he gonna say? He's such a great title actor. I want to say thank you. Oh my god, I got chills. You know. I'm going to cry, guys. Helping me all those times you did. They're selling it. They're selling the history. You're a good person. Yeah, Amos is always saying that because he thinks he's a terrible person. I could have been better. Man, so... This is where the series turns for the better action and now with the drama. I didn't even say goodbye. To who? She's in love with Holden. Doesn't matter. Yep. That's not forced. You know, once Holden declares his love for her, she basically says, I've been waiting five years, and now I'm not sure I want it. It's possible she's actually talking about uh, Filipito, her son, who we learn about later, with Marco and Nars. Oh, yeah. Captain America... James Holden in the Martian marine suit. This is great, because they're being boarded. fact that I'm here protecting some lousy Earth taker while my ship's getting pounded. My buddies are dying. I'm happy to let you go. Yeah, okay, keep talking about Phoebe, and they don't know anything about Phoebe. So the Martians already know about the protomolecule. It's all about shared information, you know, and... and, and which is fascinating with all the high technology, but it's not that they don't all have the information because of bad technology. It's because of everything else, the politics, the fear, the mistrust. This is a great gunfight. Sparks everywhere. They slow down the camera just enough. Uh, the, The Martian suits look a little bit like kind of, you know, if you play the near future spec ops Call of Duty stuff, so it looks kind of a little modern, um, a little bit more relatable, um, but it also has, you know, a lot of fixtures and so forth on it uh, to stress the, the you know, high-tech, ultra-high-tech-ness of uh, the Martian Marines. Recognize this game. What, what does he find? Hmm. Stiff's got a lot of implants. Alright. Implants 
a big part of this future and the, a lot of the characters we meet. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Havelock doesn't want to be found. In the book, Havelock's kind of just like uh, down on his luck drunk. Please. <laughs> so, no, right, the first question you have to ask is what's inside? And the second question is was, was it voluntary or did someone else do it? Or did they know what they were getting? Memory crypts. Hmm, this part I don't remember if this they found the memory chip. Oh, he's going in. He he's cracking his knuckles. He's gonna go straight in. He goes, fuck the coroner, let's go. Guy talks too much. <laughs> uh, God damn Thomas Jane. Yep. Right, so, you know, they added back in fucks, they added back in sex, but the uh, b- the bloodiness, you know, Battlestar was very bloody for our basic cable, and that was years ago, so, like, when the guy's head got blown off. Well, either way, we got it now in 4K UHD. Thank you, Amazon. I love this woman's look. It's uh, Athena Karkenis playing Octavia Muss. It's like the romance that, you know, could have been, I guess, kind of thing. Those are always great, especially with people sort of this age, 40s-ish, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, I did look up Thomas Jane's age. He would have been about 40 to 43 or so when he did this. So he's actually, I think, playing slightly older than than he is. That's why he's so damn chiseled and good-looking. Data broker. Whatever he brokered. Yeah, got him killed. What are you not telling me? <laughs> He's lying. She knows it. Miller. That that douchey thing he does with his lips is just delightful. I'm not protecting you. Yeah, he doesn't want to let anyone in. Yeah, it's always a question, you know, these these hypotheticals. If he let her in, would it improve the situation? Maybe it would lead to her death. Maybe she dies anyways. Yep. He needs the partner. Uh oh. She's gonna find the body. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you think in a space station you can't hide anything, but there's all these nooks and crannies, and he's just been sitting there dead with a, you know, giant poker in his belly. Is she just gonna rob him? Or is she gonna help? Oh, he's alive. Oh, Havelock's alive. Jay Hernandez, Dimitri Havlock, he's alive! No way! Maybe? That looked pretty bad. I guess they went through the belly. That looked pretty bad. So Holden, of course, if I know Holden, even in the slightly different version of, of the telling of the story of the expats, he's going to go right after his crew. He needs his family. He already is realizing it. But more so, it's his command. You know, I mean, that's what's interesting. You think about everybody serving the captain or the admiral or the commander, but they see it as being responsible for protecting everyone under their commands. That's a true leader. And that's what Amos uh, always says. 
when Holden is sort of unsure of himself in the future and whether the you know the crew is going to remain loyal and motivated and Amos is like dude Ever since I've known you, you've been clearly willing to take a bullet for any of us. That's all I need to know about my leader. Oh, God, it's going to be a body that comes to life? Yeah. And these spacesuits are awesome. Oh, the guns. Okay, uh, yeah, this is something I didn't think about, but now I want it. Kills them. That's Holden. Whoa. Oh, is this a proto-molecule? His weapon is key to the armor. He couldn't have fired it. I'm almost dead. He was already dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's Captain America. You gotta get my friends off the ship. Okay, they're bringing the family together. Let's do this. Yeah. They're under his command. He's calling them his friends. OPA. Tech way too advanced. Yeah. They slip the proto-molecule in here and there early on. It's very sneaky. Phoebe. So Phoebe is where the proto-molecule has been lying dormant. And no one has been going outside of the station itself and now they've discovered it and now it's loose and, and that's the Julie Mouth thing we're gonna find he's all blue in there he's begging him yeah you and only one years bond right you barely know those people they're only here because of me yep that's his command what's the deal gonna be uh oh What's the deal gonna be? Oh, here they are. Epoxia. Pass the fuck out. Oh, Jesus Christ. Shed. Oh, no. You came back. You came back. She's so sweet. I mean, it's... Uh, we'll, we'll save Naomi for another episode. Y you can argue that she's slightly miscast in terms of Naomi in the book, but I don't think she's at all miscast in terms of her chemistry and role with the rest of the team, even though, as I said, she's been done dirty a little bit in terms of not getting the dimensionality going yet. But they've been saving it for the final season, folks. Trust me. They waited on Alex. They, they waited on Amos. Naomi's the last piece of the puzzle, and she'll be the big one. Lopez. What's the deal? We all lost people we care about. I don't even have a clue as to why. I keep hearing about Phoebe Station. If we're gonna die, tell me about it. Yeah. Doniger was dispatched to Phoebe Station. Uh-huh, went, qu went quiet. We still don't know. Yeah. Bodies were incinerated. Found them refrozen to the walls of the ice tunnels. Computer cores were destroyed. I think it was the proto-molecule, or people with the proto-molecule that did all that. Covering something up. Yeah, that's all Ju Ju Jules Pierre Mal. It's all going to go back to Julie Mal's father and his horrible, horrible multi-galactic uh, corporation or whatever. What happened? 
Condition zero. She's going to scuttle the ship. Yeah. They're going to self-destruct this thing. So whoever the fuck it is out there is not going to get it. It's the best they can do. They got to get Holden and company off. Yep. They did a great job with the introduction of the Martians. This captain is fucking great. As soon as she realized what was really going on with Holden, she made the right choice. Here comes the self-destruct. The XO. This has to count for something. They have to make sure Holden and company gets off. Oh, and they get the real Sinatra. Here it is, baby. Here it is. They give him a fucking... They're giving him a, 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 a destroyer, a mini destroyer, Martian destroyer, which is now going to let them travel the solar system, threaten the bad guys, and do all sorts of stuff. Oh, man. This is the Rossi, baby. That's how big this battleship is. It, it, it has a cargo bay with the, with the Rosinante in it. Here's the thing about Alex, though. He seems weak and cowardly. And completely unprepared. Oh, man, they gotta take the cargo bay. Oh, this is awesome. But once once Alex falls in love with the, the, the Rossi, he becomes a new man. Here's the music. Clint Porter. Oh. Martian Marines. They... I mean, throughout the series, the good guy Martian Marines, just cold-blooded, single-minded purpose of getting the job done. And boy, do they need them at times. They're running the bridge. They're Oh, man, they just launched a grenade. <laughs> I still forget, after all of these readings... Sorry, that was loud. I still forget after all these readings who's, who's in the stealth ships. Whoa, they're floating. They're in the float, flying across the bridge. He hooks Naomi. And he's going to, right, kick her. And hopefully pull himself. No. He push, pulls her back. He's, ma- he's magged to the floor. Uh, pulls her down. Yeah, because he weighs more. He weighs enough more that even with the momentum, he was able to pull her down. This is so cool. I don't know how they do the zero-G stuff. Martian Marines just getting wrecked by the bad guys. Alex. Alex, get up right now and start flying the Rosinante, you motherfucker. Get up to the bridge. What about the others? Oh, they bring one of the guys with them. Is that the deal? Amos is fucked. Amos, like, loses fingers, arms, I and mean, Amos' limbs. Yes! Kamal, get your ass. Kamal, now. Here, here it comes. Here it comes. This is Captain America. I, I'm not even going to give you the speech. It's you or nobody. Authorized. This guy turns out to be a hero. The Slavic guy. Who I was... He get us out of here. You got it. Yeah, that's all he needs. That's it. That's it. That's, this is the Alex turning point. This is it. 
He falls in love with this ship, and as long as he's in control of this ship, his baby, his girl, his love, he, he's gonna find a way through. Okay, sweetheart. Be gentle. Be gentle with me. I love him. This is my first time. <laughs> right. He's never... Right, he's never flown a, a, a like, when the, the ice hauler, they had a bunch of pilots, and it's a huge automated, semi-automated ship. This is, you know, you gotta become one with the, oh man, here it is, the Rossi baby. He's going, oh my god, I got cannons, I got rail guns, look at this, I got auto fire, he, and he's firing, oh yeah, baby, yes, oh, this is great, he's blowing apart the cargo bay. With the rail guns from the Rosanati! Sorry. He's gonna blow a hole. This is so glorious. This is so glorious. I don't know how I didn't fall in love with this show the first time. I think it's because I, I didn't catch on until season two. I had to go back. You got a hoss. I mean... Yes, sir. <laughs> Would have been nice. He knows he's gonna die. Oh, an ocean on Mars. This guy turns out to be such a good guy after all that. Here he goes. Died for the cause. He's not going to survive the burn is the thing. He's not dead yet. But they're going to have to go like 10 fucking Gs. And now it's... Tachi. Right. It's still called the Tachi. I didn't think we could lose. You didn't lose. Not yet. There's a greater cause, Cap. Man, I got chills. I got chills and tears this whole episode. Oh, man. I've never been so happy to be wrong. There it goes. They blow it. Now, you know, again, the Earthers can handle the burn better than the, the Martians and, and, the, and the Belters because they grew up in, in higher G. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, we got the Cabal laugh, baby. He's got the Texan back in him. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, yes, the Rossi. It's not the Rossi yet, but it's going to be the Rossi. They're all going to pass out. Oh, they end it like that. Oh, man. Oh, what a great fucking episode. Look at all the stunt wire people. There was a whole list for a TV show, not that huge list of just stunt wire people. Oh, man. Oh, man. What a glorious 42 minutes. They even got a tiny bit of Avasarala in, but it didn't interrupt it whatsoever. That was awesome. That was awesome, and now we're going to get Fred Johnson, and now everything's going to start coming together. It's great. It's absolutely great. I mean, the series, the books are amazing from beginning to end, and uh, I'm continuing to say what I've said, which is so, through four episodes, this is way better. It looks way better. It's acted and directed way better and written better than, than I remember. And even when I start criticizing, like, the, the you know, the, the Martian lieutenant for, you know, a little overacting here, a little underacting there, nope, they're just setting up the payoff. I wish I could see an ocean on Mars. Oh, man. Heroes. That's what these shows are about. It's dark, and there's a lot of bad guys, but there are heroes and people who didn't think they could be heroes and be heroes. Okay. I gotta get off and do some other stuff. Thank you. Next episode is episode... Sorry, there's some noise outside. Episode 5, Back to the Butcher. The Butcher of Anderson Station. Cuddy, a.k.a. Fred Johnson. Oh, man. Yeah, Fred Johnson. And the relationship between him and the Belters and Naomi and what he forms with 
with uh, with Holden. My head's just spinning because I've gone through all the books a bunch of times, and, and I'm working really hard not to spoil anything major. Thank you so much. Stay healthy. Stay well. Be good to each other. We're going to get through this crisis, guys. If these people can get through this, and it's just going to get worse... We can get through what we're going through. So, uh, for now, until episode five, may the force be with you. The Bizzlecast is out.